Welcome back into the Irish NFL show. We are just a few days away from the biggest game of the year, the Super Bowl in Phoenix, and we're delighted to be uh, we're delighted to have a guest on who's won two Super Bowls, a former cornerback of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Brand Ambassador for Points Bet these days. Uh, Brian McFadden, you're very welcome to the Irish NFL show. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you. Brian, I'm not sure if you're aware, but your surname is, is a very Irish Irish surname. There's many a McFadden in this country. I've heard that many a times. Um especially in regards to my name being Irish, uh, you know, being in areas where there are Irish pubs. I've heard that a lot. A lot of people always ask me, am I Irish? And I'm like, to my knowledge, I'm not. But, you know, of course, with the name. Well, it's, it's probably fitting then that we're going to have a lot of Steelers talk because the Rowney family have a lot of heritage to, to Ireland. Mm-hmm. And we, we had Coach Cower on the show last year and he spoke about when they brought the Steelers over in 1997 to play a preseason game here in Dublin. Yep. And the Rooney family were over and Mrs. Rooney saw the lov- lovely Waterford Crystal Trophy and she said to the players, we need to win this trophy. Mrs. Rooney wants this trophy and all the preseason plans went out the window and they played the game yeah. like, if it, like if it was week one as opposed to preseason. Wow, that's a fun fact because I wasn't aware that the Steelers actually played a preseason game in 97 in Ireland. I didn't know that. Yeah, they played the Chicago Bears. Uh, the Bears and the Steelers would have a huge amount of fans. Wow. So it, like the NFL is, is significant that it's it's huge across Ireland, UK, Europe, but the Steelers in particular have a huge fan base here. Wow, wow, yeah. And, and, and Mr. Rooney, before he passed, I know he used to go to Ireland all the time. Yeah, he loved it. He was, uh, yeah. you know, part of the... The U.S. Embassy and um, the Fourth of July, they would have a um, a game in the back garden, as they call it here. Um, he had a big, big house in, in Phoenix Park, and he, he would have an a, an American football game. And he'd invite guests from the states over. He'd be involved in the Fourth of July celebrations. <laughs> Just bringing it to the Steelers, um, I, I was thinking about this week in particular because more so around the Chiefs. The Chiefs have this will be the third Super Bowl in four years for this team, and some of the players have who were part of the fourth Super Bowl win, have obviously been a part of the second Super Bowl game, which they lost. And you, who's won two Super Bowls and then later played in a, in a game which you lost, can you recall back to how you, I suppose, one, how you approached the game the first time round, because you were a rookie, and I suppose you didn't really know any better compared to when you played the second time um, in Super Bowl Forty Three. Yeah, the, the, the first time, you know, for me, along with the majority of my teammates, that was our first you know, rodeo, getting to the big game and not knowing exactly what to expect. You know, I oftentimes explain that situation similar to, you know, going on a roller coaster, right? You go on a roller coaster for the very first time. It's a very, very big, intense roller coaster. You don't know when to brace yourself for that big fall, that dead drop, or when you're going up. Right, because this is your first time going through it. But if you go through that roller coaster once and then you go through it again, you know when to kind of brace yourself. You know how it feels when you're going up. That anticipation is not as intense as it was because you did it before, and that's the same situation in regards to you know playing in a your first Super Bowl compared to playing in another one. You kind of know how to navigate. You know, you kind of know how to become acclimated to the new nuances to the game when it comes to 
accommodations, right? Because this is not like a regular game. It's different. You know, you have a week to prepare, number one, and then you're traveling to a foreign place to be there for at least a week to play in the game on Sunday. So there are a lot that goes into that detail. So my first one, you know, we just we just attacked it. Didn't really know. The second one, we kind of knew, okay, this is how we're going to handle certain things with ticket requests. This is how we navigate so we don't allow off-the-field issues to become a distraction. So, uh, but, you know, a lot of people put a lot of, you know, points into experience compared to the lack thereof. At, at the end of the day, we still got to play football. But you don't want to allow the other things that are tied to the Super Bowl to kind of stand in your way when it comes to being focused and dialed in. Yeah, and when we spoke to Coach Cower in particular, he spoke about the fact that the team got hot at the right time. That <laughs> leading into the playoffs, there wasn't an expectation that you, you would go all the way, you know, and as gradually as the games progressed and you won the games, and there was, you're talking about a roller coaster of emotions there. You, it's hard not to reflect on the game against the Colts in which uh, Jerome betters, you know, fumbles and it looks like the Colts are going to essentially win the game. And, and obviously you had the two marquee players in terms of you as a rookie going up against Reggie Wayne, which I'm sure was a, a difficult task in itself, but you came out the right side of it. They missed the field goal. Like there is so many emotional roller coasters getting to these games to play in the, the Super Bowl. Not so much the Super Bowl itself, but just leading into that. Like I'm just thinking about the Chiefs this weekend. You look at the championship games, like they had a roller coaster of a game against against the Bengals, you know, bearing in mind everything that happened towards the end of the season. I mean, did, when you were winning those playoff games, did you kind of get the sense, maybe this is our year, maybe we can go all the way and win the Super Bowl in Detroit that year? Yeah, for us, you know, we were in playoff mode probably week 13 because we couldn't afford to lose any more ball games to even have a shot. So we were already in game seven, like, uh, the situations like our mind is like a game seven we lose we go home so we were we had that vibe going into the regular season like towards the end like i said maybe week 13 week 14 and then by the time we got to the playoffs we were so comfortable playing in a sudden death type situation it was it wasn't extra pressure for us and also like bc like coach car mentioned you know as you alluded to we got hot at the right time man listen we 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 were so confident that not only would we get into the playoffs? We were confident we was going to cause a lot of noise, major noise in the playoffs. And that was basically self-belief within who we were as a ball club, individually speaking, and of course, in as a team. And no one had really believed in us. You know, we use that as fuel. You know what I mean? We use that as extra motivation. And people talk about all, you know, in regards to ball players and do they look for things to extra to motivate them a little more. Yes. Think about AFC Championship game, how much noise Cincinnati talked in regards to Kansas City, naming it Burrowhead and saying that Joe owned them and everything like that. And then, of course, when Kansas City won that ball game, you heard some of their players being vocal about everything they heard leading up to that ball game. We, you need the extra motivation, you know what I mean? And, and when you're a competitor, you welcome extra motivation because you're looking for a reason to really be pissed off even more. So for us, man, no one believed in us. We were the first six seed to ever make it to the Super Bowl. So, you know, most six seeds that get into the playoffs, most people don't believe they have a shot because they barely got in. They're the six seed. Now, of course, it's the seven seed. They added a spot. But for us, when we got in, we were like, man, nobody believed in us, so we have no pressure. Let's just go play football. And one of the bigger things that we did 
consistently was just we were always the the, the most physical team on the field. I'm wondering what part, I suppose, the fairy tale storyline that came of that Super Bowl, the fact that the boss, Jerome Bettis, was going to play the Super Bowl in his hometown. And was that, albeit it was your first year, there would have been players that were there two or three years. Was there, was there extra motivation? A Super Bowl, you don't need any more motivation. But in that particular instance, bearing in mind the great career he had, and it, was, it looked like it eventually was his final game. How much kind of did that steer the team on to try to win the game for him in particular? Yo, that was huge because if you go back to the year before, when they lost in the AFC Championship game to the Patriots, and many people thought that Jerome would be done, the 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 disappointment the guys were feeling because they didn't get a chance to get a guy like JV to a Super Bowl. And the thing about Jerome is that we all respected and loved him so much. And just because of the respect we had for him, we wanted to find a way to get him to a Super Bowl and with that Super Bowl being in his hometown. And we knew he had a Hall of Fame-like career. But that Hall of Fame becomes a little easier when you have that Super Bowl rank. You know what I'm saying? So when I came in to the building as a rookie, you know, I, I knew how well-respected Jerome was. But just seeing it, I saw on the other side. So when everybody knew at that time that Super Bowl 40 would be in Detroit, and Jerome is from Detroit, man, what better way to send off a guy who we love and we respect? by sitting him off in his final game in his home city. Um, you spoke about Coach Carr so, so very well there, but obviously you, you went on to win the Super Bowl with Mike Tomlin. Just some interest in the transition from Coach Carr. You know, obviously when you were playing throughout the season, you may, I suppose maybe there was a conversation that he could potentially retire and move on from coaching into the, the CBS booth, but obviously Mike Tomlin came in. He's still there. He's such a fantastic coach. I mean, this year looked like they were written off and they still found a way to be in the playoff hunt come week, week 17. The transition, how do you, how different were they in terms of the coaching skill set? Well, the transition was a little different because we were so used to one style of coaching from BC, right? Mike Tomlin comes in, remember, he's never been, he's never been a head coach. So it was, everything was new for him, just like it was new for us and accepting him as our head coach. So he was just trying to learn us, you know, as time went. And I know, I remember one thing about Mike Tom, he had that first year for him, he he had the worst training camp schedule ever. Yo, we had like 20 straight days of two-a-day practices. 20 straight days of practicing twice a day in training camp. So for us, you know, we were still a pretty veteran laded team with veteran presence and we were like man we're a year away from winning a super bowl what are we doing and bill Cowell used to really do a good job and keep and taking care of our bodies in training camp mike Tommy came man man dropping the gavel man. like no this is what we're gonna do and we're like man listen man you gonna wear us down before the season started but for him he was trying to learn the mentality of the guys granted we had a bunch of veterans but he just was trying to figure out Who's going to fight? Who's going to complain and not try to fight? We made it to the playoffs that year. But by the time we played in the playoffs against Jacksonville, man, we were pretty much on E anyway. Our gas tank was literally on E because that season was a very, very grueling season. It was hard on our bodies. I wonder, is Mike Tomlin trying to play a trick to see who's got the heart in it? I, I often think back to, I'm a Giants fan, and I remember when Michael Strahan didn't show up for any of the uh, training camp in the year in which the Giants won the Super Bowl. 
And when he did show up and Tom Coughlin find them, he says to him, I don't care about you not being here as long as your heart is in it for the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, reflecting on the second Super Bowl, uh, you, you said about roller coaster for emotions. I mean, you've got the James Harrison return touchdown just prior to half time, and it looks like Court Warner's going to bring the Cardinals in. You've got this Antonio Holmes touchdown with 35 seconds to go. You've got a great player and a great ambassador for the league in Larry Fitzgerald scoring a touchdown, which essentially looks like he's won the game. Um, I suppose that one was probably more exciting than the 21-10 victory against the Seahawks. It was more exciting. It was more nerve-wracking as well also because, uh, you know, it was a little bit of back and forth, as you just mentioned, in the, in regards to that ball game. But that was one, probably one of the more exciting Super Bowls uh, that's, that's ever occurred in the National Football League. I think, you know, if it's not number one, it clearly is top three, top four, top five, for sure, because of some of the game-changing plays that occurred that needed to happen in that ball game, especially for us. Uh, and and that Super Saiyan Super Bowl, man, we walked into that ball game knowing and believing we were the best team. Um, we were thirteen and three. We finished second best in the AFC. Uh, technically, we could have had the first seed, but you know things happened against Tennessee uh, that didn't fall our way. They got the first seed. We ended up beating Baltimore three times in that year. We beat them two times in the regular season and in the playoffs, which was huge. The AFC Championship game. What better way to get a chance to go to the Super Bowl? Than beating your arch rival, right? In the dirt season. And uh defensively, we were uh, man, we were a unit, man. We we became the first team, and I think we're still the only defense in the National Football League ever in the existence of the league to hold 13 straight teams to under 300 yards total offense. We achieved something that's never been done before. I don't think it's been done since. Um defensively played against also played against we played had the, the most difficult schedule. The strength of schedule, we had the toughest strength of schedule out of everyone. And we took care of our business. Um, and I think that defense don't get talked about enough. And I know people might say, well, he's biased, but we don't get talked about enough in regards to the best of the best in the National Football League. I think just this numbers alone and the quarterbacks we played against, the offenses we played against, everything we had to accomplish, uh, just that entire year and how we were dominant, you know, we don't get talked about enough. But that second roadie, we kind of knew what to expect. And I, and I share this story all the time in regards to that Super Bowl. So the night of the Super Bowl, right, usually the team travels to a new hotel. So we were in Tampa. We traveled to an off-site hotel Saturday night. We go through our normal Saturday night ritual, um, you know, meetings, team meetings, have snacks. Go to go to your room. But for us, we were a team that loved to come together in hotels and we play cards. You know, we would play cards. That was like our favorite pastime to be to do to be around each other when we were around each other. So that night, the card game probably started like 1030, 1045. I didn't get back to my room until 830 a.m. Sunday. So we literally it was probably about. 12 guys, 10 to 12 guys. We were in one player's room the entire night. And we got back, literally, we all got in our room around 8.30. And remind you, that's the same day of the Super Bowl. So none of us got any sleep. The majority of the defense didn't get asleep because it was the it was majority of defensive guys in that card game. So 
And people say, well, how did you do that? Well, number one, I mean, that's what we always did, but we didn't do it that long. And number two is like, it's a sewer, but we should be fine. But literally, I got in my room at 8.30, man, and I took a shower and laid down. I was so mad at myself. I was so tired. So then we get to the hotel, get to the stadium. You can tell who was up late because their eyes were red, just like mine was. And I remember James Ferrier, who was our team captain, uh, you know, outstanding linebacker. He said, listen, whatever we do, do not let this get out. That we were up all night playing cards the night of the Super Bowl. Because if it got out and we lose, oh my goodness. We would never, we would never hear the end of that story. So I could talk about it now because we would. Now, also, this is something I wasn't aware of because I was still a player of the game. The betting angle, right? Because if you go back and watch that game, leading up to that game, I think we were like a seven-point favorite or something like that, six or seven-point favorite. And when I told this story as a retired player, I remember a lot of gamblers who really put a lot of money on the Steelers to cover the spread were super heated when they heard that story because now it's like, oh, it makes sense why the defense was out there giving up plays, major plays. Like, man, we played against an outstanding offense with a whole bunch of all the favors, right? But... When you're hearing that, you're like, y'all ain't getting no sleep. So I apologize for all the betters bet on that Super Bowl. It didn't cash in. But I think I might have been one of them. You probably was. We didn't kill them, but we won. We didn't kill them, but we won. It was a, it's a bit disingenuous for anybody to challenge the defense. And, you know, when you're going against Court Warner, and we saw what Court Warner did in the championship game against the Eagles that year, I was leading into a question around the defense in the AFC championship game. And I was around Troy Polamalu because if I remember correctly, he had the pick six in in, in that championship game. He, he intercepted Flacco and returned it for a touchdown. I think he went around different different times before he eventually find, found the end zone. But a, a great defense. I'm sure if you're staying up till half eight in the morning playing cars, there must have been some money on the table. But maybe maybe we won't go there. Uh, I'll say this. Now, you remember how intense the actual game was. Right. The ebbs and flows of that game. I'll say this. That card game was more intense than the actual Super Bowl. Well, you won on the cards and then you beat the cards. So, happy days. You're funny if you went to the cards then. That's a bit of an unusual move to see players who just beat a team in in the Super Bowl. Obviously, become free agents and you got to do what's right for you in terms of your career progression. But... How did the, the Cardinals move come about in terms of free agency? Was there other teams that were in a position to you know make you an offer or you just felt the Cardinals was the right one because they were such a strong side having just been to the Super Bowl? Yeah, there were other teams. Um, but what set Arizona, you know, apart from some of the other teams was I was familiar with a lot of their coaches who used to be in Pittsburgh. You know, kid Ken Wizenhunt, who was the head coach, you know, was a part of us a part of the Steelers in our first Super Bowl as a rookie from he as a rookie. So he was familiar about some of the things that I, I was accustomed to doing. And they had other players and other coaches that came from Pittsburgh. So just the familiarity was important for me. And then of course you talk about a team that they were on the cusp of winning a championship. They had some of the key players returning. I felt like the future was going going to be bright and easy based on all the pieces they had in place and along with Kurt Warner as well. So that played a major, major part and me deciding to uh, sign with Arizona. It, it's an unusual to see players return to the, their former team. You did, and, and, and then you go and play in, in another Super Bowl. 
I, mean, I was a good, I was a good luck charm. They should have just kept me around because look like I, every with the, what with me being in Pittsburgh, man, I was batting what shooting fifty percent from the free or from the three point line. Every every two years, we we're like going to the Super Bowl, right? Did you ever believe that when you reflect on that Super Bowl, that Aaron Rodgers would never have won another Super Bowl since? Man, first of all, that Super Bowl, that one got away from you. Listen, listen, listen. Um, what's harder to win the Super Bowl or to lose it? To lose it. What's the hardest thing? To lose the Super Bowl is the hardest thing. That that's something that you don't want to experience. If I had the choice of going to a Super Bowl game knowing I would lose, I would not want to go. And I, I know people say, "Well, you have two. but I remember the loss more than I remember the win. It's a bit like when teams lose the championship games, the NFC, AFC. Like about a year later, you have to think back who was actually in the championship game, who lost, because people quickly forget about who was in the championship games, and they're only a one game out from being in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that that's one of the the, the more devastating things to go through sports wise for me. Because well, remember when we lost to Green Bay, that was the third time I played a Super Bowl. I never experienced a loss. I didn't know how it felt to lose the championship game, and to lose in the fashion in which we lost. We got off to a slow start. Then we fought our way back in the ball game, and then you know just too many mistakes. It was that was that was it. Still, it still hurts to this day. Because I'm like I, was, I feel like I should have had three Super Bowl rings. Like one is good, two is good, but three. Now you in a whole different stratosphere. You know what I'm saying? You like you by yourself right now. Lop three. But yeah, that that that's something I don't, don't want to experience. Some people might think you're being greedy, Bryant. Uh, and I could understand that. But when you get to that moment, all you want to do is win. Do you think there's a part of the... I'll just turn our attentions to this weekend and the big game on Sunday. And like we touched on earlier in the interview on the fact that this, the Steelers got hot at the right time in, in, in Super Bowl 40. The, you know, the Giants got hot at the right time in 08. We've seen other teams just come with, come with around the books even a couple of years ago. I mean, they were struggling up to their bye week early December and they came in a run and won the Super Bowl this weekend we've got the two number one seeds they are arguably the best two teams throughout the course of the season and you touched on the fact that you've lost the Super Bowl like the Eagles was to were there the last time in you know four or five years ago they a lot of things have changed for them okay the GM and is still there and he's reconstructed a team to bring them to the Super Bowl but a lot of players there's been a huge turnover where with the, the Chiefs, there's still quite a few players that have won it, lost it. Do you, how do you think the preparation and the mindset for this weekend goes into the, the, those two teams? Because, like you said earlier, the first time, you didn't really know what to expect. You just got on with it. This will be the same for some of the Eagles players, where the Chiefs now, this is the tour time in four years. Yeah, well, well, that's the thing that both teams have at their disposal is that they still have a few players that have been to the promised land in regards to making their Super Bowl. Like, let's say for the Eagles, as an example, they don't have as many as Kansas City, but they have, I think, six or seven guys that were a part of the Super Bowl years ago against the Patriots. And some of those guys are sound leaders. You know, Jason Kelsey, you know, Fletcher Cox, Lane Johnson. Um, You know, uh, I think Brandon Graham was on that team as well. So you got guys who are well-respected in the locker room so their voice will carry throughout the locker room and things to, in regards to how to prepare, what to look for, 
distractions, how to navigate around those distractions. And then Kansas City did the same could be said for Kansas City. Heck, your quarterback was there. You know what I mean? Andy Reid was there. You know, Travis Kelsey was there. Uh, you know, you got guys who were a part of that Super Bowl team that are still there as well. So for the young guys that haven't really made it to that level, now you know how to express to them what you should do, what you shouldn't do. So I think that is the one, the one plus that both teams have. They have respectable players that have played in the big game, that have won the big game, that they can echo everything they need to, plus more so the guys that had never been there, for them to be dialed in as best as possible. The coaching play a huge factor into this game. Andy Reid lost one in Philadelphia as one lost one again. I, I kind of think back to when Sean McVay was in his fourth Super Bowl for the Rams against the Patriots, and whilst it wasn't a very high-scoring game, and the Rams were in it to the fourth quarter, it was very evident that he was outcoached on that particular uh, in that particular game against Bill Belichick. I'm, like, are we in a scenario on Sunday where Sirianni could potentially be outfoxed and outcoached by Andy Reid, who's never lost a game against the Eagles as head coach of the Chiefs? Uh, potentially. But Nick Sirianni, you know, has done a real good job. Remember, he's coming from the Andy Reid coaching tree as well. You know, he was in Kansas City, so he knows a little bit about Andy Reid in regards to his coaching methods and, and tactics. So that could happen because Andy Reid is, I consider Andy Reid to be the best coach in the NFL, not named Belichick, Bill Belichick. Um, I think that's fair. Um, but in all, the one thing that Nick Sirianni has going for him, he has the most talented team in this ballgame. He might not have the most experience as a coach, but he has the most talent. And that's a big time plus. But at some point in time, it will be critical for him to exercise his coaching instincts and, and being able to keep his team in the best position to win. But, you know, nine times out of ten, the opposing coach that's coaching against Andy Reid is going to be the least experienced coach it probably would be second fiddle to Andy Reid in regards to the pecking order because Andy Reid is that type of guy. Yeah, I think ultimately maybe it'll come down to what strategic plans as Spagnuolo puts in place for, for Jalen Hurts as opposed to what they do for, for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to ask you for a pick. I'll, I'll leave that for, the, for later in the week when you'll be doing your own show on Radio Row. But uh, just want to talk about the CBS, great CBS work you're doing at the moment and, and, and what's, what's ahead for you this week in, in, in Arizona? Oh, man, it's a lot. It's a lot, as it will be for all of us that are partaking in this game uh, from the media angle. But, yeah, CBS Sports HQ is what I will be doing weekly. CBS Sports Spotlight, that will be aired on CBS Sports Network on, you know, television, uh, along with doing some other radio role obligations and a bunch of interviews. I'm excited. This is always a this is like Christmas for all of us. You know what I mean? And then doing some stuff. Uh, in regards to picks for the games and stuff like that. So I'm excited. We're just getting started. It's going to be a fun week, a fun ride. I can't wait for Sunday. Brian, you've been very gracious with your time. I really appreciate it. I will be at Radio Row um, and later this week, along with my colleague Colin. I hope we, we get to yeah. bring each other face-to-face and have a chat with her. Appreciate you coming on. Appreciate the support of PointsBet, who support the Irish NFL show throughout the course of the season, and you who do great work there for CBS. Um, there's a lot of Steelers fans in Ireland they're really excited by the fact that you're coming on um, really appreciate your time today oh thank you anytime you need me I'm just a phone call away or text away hopefully I get a chance to see you when you get out here in Radio Row